Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pet, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of The Host Show. I'm your host, Jesper Rivers, and we release a new episode of this show every Monday. Now, in these episodes, I interview Airbnb hosts from all around the world to share their stories and provide tips and tricks on how to get started and be successful as an Airbnb host. Now, this episode is brought to you by the Rising Stars Mastermind, which is the only mastermind for short-term rental hosts focused on building hospitality brands and scaling their hosting companies. This mastermind has been around for about two years, and it's been exclusive to our Legends X graduates. But Eric and I have decided for the first time ever that we're now opening it up for a select group of like-minded hosts to join the mastermind. Now, this mastermind is not for beginners. It's not for people who want to get started on Airbnb and talk about you know optimizing listings and guest communication and things like that. What we focus on are the things that will actually allow us to scale our companies and build long-term wealth in the short-term rental industry by owning real estate. So we're talking about building systems, we're talking about the hiring teams, developing our leadership skills, developing brands, and how to raise money. If that aligns with you and you're excited to work with myself and Eric for the next 12 months, then I invite you to go over to overnightsuccess.io slash rs and schedule a call with us to see if it's a win-win for you to join our mastermind. Get paid for your pet. 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 What's up and welcome back to Get Paid for Your Pad. Today I'm doing part two of the listener, reader and student Q&A. I did part one on Saturday and uh, essentially I'm going to go through some of the most common questions uh, that we get uh, over email and in our student groups uh, in Legends X and the Rising Star Mastermind. Um, but before I get into that, it, I wanted to... Uh, point out a couple things that I've noticed over the last couple of days. Um, number one is I was looking at some Airbnbs in Orlando. Now, the reason is, uh, if you be, I've mentioned this on the podcast, I think a couple of times, but I've been working on getting a work visa for the United States uh, for just about two years now. And I finally managed to get, to, to get my passport with the visa stamp, uh, approved uh, and, and my wife as well. So we're now planning to actually move to the States. Uh, we're planning to live in Lucadia, which is where uh, our office is, where uh, Eric lives. Uh, so super excited about that. It's been a long process. I could probably do 10 podcasts uh, on, on how to get a work visa approved for uh, for the United States. I feel like I'm kind of like an expert on that topic right now. But um, but yeah, we're, uh, we're actually going to Florida first. Uh, because uh, my wife's family lives there. And uh, so we're going to visit them, probably stay there for like uh, maybe a week or so, and then uh, fly out to San Diego. But the the reason I uh, I mentioned this is I, I was looking at Airbnbs and we want to rent, um, we want to rent like a nice house with a swimming pool, probably in Kissimmee. I, I know Kissimmee has been popping up in so many different uh reports and uh we have students that have airbnbs there uh so i'm very really excited to, to check it out because it seems like a, a major vacation rental spot but i noticed that the the profile the host profile has suddenly changed and something i talked about a couple of days ago when i was doing part one is 
Airbnb makes so many updates. So it's if you don't look at the Airbnb website for a couple of weeks, like things change all the time. And so I noticed that the uh, the the profile, the host profile, has now changed. Um, they have they just like kind of restructured the information a little bit. But the biggest difference is instead of displaying um, when when you started as a host, they now say how long you've been hosting. So, for example, my profile used to say joined in 2011, and now it says 11 years hosting, right? It's a small, it's a very subtle difference, um, but I do think uh, it, this might favor uh, the more seasoned hosts a little bit, because now if you look at a new profile, it says one month of hosting, right? Which kind of, it, it stands out a little bit more, this information. Before, it would just say like, hey, joined in, you know, March 2023, but it's, I don't know. It just it, it stands out a little bit more now. So I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, the the more seasoned hosts who have several years of experience on Airbnb uh, might be favored uh, a little bit by this uh, by this change. But if you haven't looked at your Airbnb profile uh, for a while, um, check it out because you know it just looks a little bit different. So, um, also I I read a report by transparent oh and by the way if you have any airbnbs near orlando specifically in kissimmee um let me know because uh we haven't booked yet and uh you know we always love to stay with our students with our community members so if you uh yeah if you're in the market uh shoot me an email and uh who knows maybe i'll stay at your airbnb but um i also read a report by transparent if you're not familiar with transparent they are a vacation rental uh, data company, and they always publish uh, reports on the short-term rental industry. And uh, they just put out a report on the Q1 of 2023, so January to March of 2023, which uh, I've been looking forward to seeing some data because, you know, we, we've definitely been getting reports of like, you know, slowdown happening um, in, the, in the industry. So markets are still doing really well, but like we're definitely we definitely have students and, and podcast listeners that reach out and saying like, "Hey, my bookings kind of dropped off a cliff." So I was very curious to see uh, some data on the first quarter of 2023. Um, and so I just wanted to share a couple of highlights of this uh, report that Transparent put out because I was kind of surprised to honestly to see the uh, the numbers here um, because. Book nights in the United States are up 14% compared to the first quarter of 2022. So I was very, very surprised to see that because I was pretty convinced that, you know, there's a there was a bit of a slowdown happening. Um, also, they, uh, they compared to the average nightly rate uh, in the last quarter uh, at $273 a night for a two-bedroom. And they compared that to March 2021. I don't know why they didn't compare it to March 2022, but maybe they did compare it to 2021 because maybe, I don't know, the average daily rate might have been a record actually in 2021. I'm not sure. But anyway, they compared it to March 2021 and uh, the average nightly rate is actually up 13% uh, versus 2021. So... I thought that was very interesting. Uh, another stat that uh, kind of caught my attention is that um, 
In the United States, in the first quarter of 2023, 92% of guests were domestic, which is actually the highest in the world. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, only 8% of uh, guests, um, according to this data by Transparent, and I don't know if this covers like every single short-term rental in the US or it's like a, a snapshot of it, um, but I thought it was very interesting to see that uh, only 8% of uh, short-term rental guests in the United States are international travelers, right? So so yeah, it seems like uh, it seems like the short-term rental industry is actually did actually very well in the first quarter. If you look at worldwide, they also shared figures worldwide. So it's a pretty interesting report. Um, so I definitely recommend uh, you know taking a look at it. You can get it. You can get the report for free if you go to ctransparent.com. Um, you'll see there's a there's a section called resources, and then if you go to the uh, bottom one in the drop down menu, it says uh, oh no, it's not the bottom one actually. It says new short-term rental quarterly story. So you click on it. You just have to drop your email in there, and then uh, you get access to the entire story. So if you're interested in um, in this data, then go ahead and uh, take a look at it. I thought it was pretty interesting to see, because um, obviously, like people have been talking about the B and B bust and things like that. Uh, so, so yeah. That's uh, one other interesting thing uh, that I want to mention before diving into the questions uh, for today. So, all right. So I've uh, I've gone through uh, a lot of emails and a lot of questions in our in our student groups, and you know one thing that that just keeps coming up is especially people that are getting into the management model, like people that are starting to manage other people's properties. You know, they they always ask these questions of like, you know, how do we set this up correctly? And, you know, if, if, if you're planning to manage other people's units or you're currently, you just started managing other people's units, like it, it's really important to set it up correctly in the beginning because this is going to save a lot of headaches in the future, right? One thing that we see quite a bit is that uh, people get into uh, managing other people's properties and they get their first clients and they're very, very excited, right? To get your first client, get your first management client. It's awesome. And then you get your second one and your third one. And you're so eager to take on more clients that you're not, first of all, you're not being very picky with your clients. You typically like people don't have a clear idea of what type of properties they want to start managing. And they kind of, they kind of just take everything on. And uh, they typically don't set clear expectations with the owners with clear standards of like, Hey, how how do we work together, right? And as a result, a lot of times clients kind of turn into uh, a challenge, you know, where they're looking over your shoulder, they're constantly asking questions, reaching out, um, saying like, "Hey, what? I, I noticed like you 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 dropped the price on my listing. Why did you drop the price? Why did you put up this picture on the Airbnb listing, right?" And that's manageable when you have one or two clients, but you know, we have we have people who join our programs and, you know, they might have like 15, 20 listings and they might have 20 owner, you know, owners constantly reaching out with questions, looking over your shoulder, which is very challenging. Um, so it's very important to set the right expectations from the beginning and let your client know that you're the expert, you're the professional, that you're going to take care of everything 
that their only job is to collect a check at the end of the month. And, you know, maybe you set some expectations around communication too, where it's like, hey, you know what? Uh, once a month, uh, I was, you can schedule a 30-minute call with me and ask, and, and ask all your questions. Other than that, you know, you, you can only reach out to me if there's an emergency, right? Because if you don't set those standards, uh, you know, there's a good chance that uh, you're going you're gonna to regret that going forward because, you know, clients can really drive you crazy with questions. And uh, if you if you then later want to go back, it's always harder to go back on on the expectations, right? Um, if you haven't set them in the beginning. So if your owners are used to that, that they can just contact you constantly on your phone and on whatever communication channels, like Saturday, you know, Saturday evening they can call you and with a question on on their why you lowered the price on their Airbnb listing. If you if you don't set those expectations, it's it's hard to. It's always harder to take something away or to go back than uh, setting the expectations uh, in the beginning. So, if you're, uh, yeah, if you're in the early stages of, you have your first couple of clients, and you're, this sounds familiar to you, then I highly recommend, uh, you know, create create those standards as soon as possible because that's just going to prevent uh, major head headaches in the future. Um, so that's number one is like really setting those expectations. Uh, number two is, yeah, question that always comes up is how do you set it up? How do you set up the structure, right? Like do you set yourself up as a co-host on their Airbnb listing or whatever OTA you're using? Uh, or do you create the Airbnb account and then uh, manage it that way, right? That's a question that often comes up. And also who uh, who receives the money? Does your client receive the money and you invoice them and then the client pays you at the end of the month? Or do you collect all the money on the client's behalf and then you pay out uh, the owner's portion at the end of the month, right? That's a big decision you have to make. Um, and it, this depends a little bit on your marketplace because in some, like for example, in some countries and some uh, states in the, in the U.S., uh, you have to have certain certifications or licenses to be, to be allowed to even like collect uh, somebody else's money, right? Um, so that's something that I always highly recommend. Like, speak to a local uh, professional, a legal professional, um, who understands the the laws and the regulations and everything before you make that decision. But what I what I will tell you is that there are there are some pros and cons to both of these. But I think the the pros are quite uh skewed to the setup where you actually collect uh where you in, are in full control of the airbnb listing and you collect all the funds and there's a number of reasons why this is uh why why this is the kind of the preferred setup that we see um you know in our, in our community like Number one is like you're in, if if the Airbnb if you control the Airbnb listing it could the Airbnb listing could be in, on of the account could be on the name of your owner but like you control it you have the login details and everything right you don't give your owners access to that Airbnb account um, but the reason that you want to control it because like otherwise otherwise like they can go in there they can change things they can they're more likely to ask all sorts of questions and. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just easier for, to manage when when the accounts are all under your control. Uh, now, when it comes to the funds, 
the the challenge with invoicing your owners is that you might be waiting a long time for your money and then that's you know that's tricky when it comes to cash flow um you know you got your expenses and then if you constantly have to like chase the owners uh, to pay you their uh, management fee you know that turns into a headache at scale right if you're so i guess i should make this clear too if you're if you're just looking to manage like you know one or two or three units that are owned by your friends or your family then this is a different situation, right? I'm talking about like if you want to scale, you know, to like 15, 30 or even more units, then um, yeah, then it's it's really it's really best to be in full control of the accounts, uh, also of the funds. And again, like depending on where you live, you, you there's you might have to set this up in a certain way where you have like a trust account, uh, your trust bank account where um, your clients' funds go into. And then you have to transfer your portion of that to uh, an, an your income account. And then you have your expense account. So a little bit too much to go into the specifics now. But just know that, um, yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some things you have to consider to set it up correctly if you're going to be managing other people's money, right? Now, one question that comes up a lot is... <clears throat> Um, let's say the own, let's say you want to set up your own account. So you have your own Airbnb account and you onboard this client and you want to create the listing under your account. Like a question that comes up a lot is, well, what if the owner already has a, an Airbnb account with like you know fifty reviews, right? Aren't you? Isn't it bad to give up all those reviews and start over from scratch with your Airbnb listing? And honestly, what from what I've seen is like it's it's not really that big of a deal. Um, new Airbnb accounts, when you set them up correctly, you can get very fast momentum um, because Airbnb actually gives you some advantages when you start a new Airbnb account. For example, they give you the, the new uh, label so people can see, like, hey, there's a new listing. You get the option to offer like a 20% discount for the first couple of bookings. And, you know, it's it's really like when you start ta- when you take over a listing from the owner, you might actually create a better experience for the guests. So you know you might not want that feedback from past guests to show on that listing, right? Um, so honestly, like you know, I don't think there's a huge disadvantage to starting a new Airbnb listing um, if you if you kick it off correctly, right? There's a there's a certain way to kickstart a new airbnb listing where you can get momentum very very fast right um and i've spoken spoken about this before but essentially what you want to do is you want to you know you want to just make it very attractive for people to book so you can get those first couple reviews in and then uh yeah and then i you know if you do it if you if you do it correctly i don't really see a big disadvantage of starting a new airbnb listing another thing you want to do and this is, uh, we, we have a few students who recently signed up for Legends X and Legends X Lite who haven't been tracking their um, uh, their numbers very well, right? Their finances. So that's another piece of advice, especially when you start dealing with owners. Like I highly recommend getting get a bookkeeper, you know, uh, preferably somebody who really understands short-term rentals. We have one for Freewild. We pay him, uh, I think it's like $550 a month. So it's an expense for sure, but it saves so many headaches. Right, number one is you don't have to you don't have to go into QuickBooks Online or whatever you're using. We use QuickBooks Online, which is um, uh, 
another tip is like, you know, make sure you use one of those softwares to keep track of your numbers. But I highly recommend get a bookkeeper because like this saves you so much time and so many headaches in the future. Uh, this is just really important because if you don't keep track of your numbers correctly, it's very hard to make decisions in your business, right? Of like, hey, well, you know, let's look at my expenses, right? How much profit am I making? Like how profitable are certain units compared to other units? Because um, a lot of time we get quite a few students who, who have quite a bit of listings, but they're not really sure how much money they're making and they're definitely not always paying themselves at the end of the month. So the money's going somewhere and uh, and then, you know, they're not sure exactly where, where it went. Um, so... You know, it's just very important to set that up correctly from the beginning. You really want to be on top of your numbers, especially if you might consider selling your business in the future, which is a real thing. Like a management contract is worth quite a bit of money. We had uh, somebody, we had the uh, um, the folks at Ventry do a training in our mastermind, and they had some really uh, some really accurate numbers on you know how much these contracts are worth and how much you could sell your company for. We had um, uh, advisors from C2G advisors uh, in our mastermind as well, doing a training on how to set up your business to sell it in the future. And one of the biggest takeaways was like, you got to get your numbers. You got to get your numbers in order uh, because no one's going to buy your business if they can't look back for at least like one to three years and see exactly like how much profit are you actually making, right? So that's another uh, that's another big one is... Um, is getting a yeah, getting a bookkeeper, you know, using QuickBooks Online or something similar, uh, and set up your bank accounts uh, correctly if you're managing uh, if you're managing other people's money, right? Also, on the topic of if you want to sell your business, uh, it's also way more attractive if you are in control of the Airbnb uh, account, right? Um, <clears throat> and then lastly, since since we're talking about this, uh, one big piece of advice as well if you if you're looking to sell your business in the future is um make sure that your client relationships are not super dependent on you because if someone's going to buy your business uh they're going to look at your management contracts and if you have a very strong relationship with each of your individual clients then the buyer's concern will be that once they buy your business, your clients might actually walk away. So, um, you know, there might be, you might want to set up some sort of clause or something uh, or some sort of protection for the future buyer. Because um, <clears throat> otherwise, like, they're going to ask you to stay on. If you're, if you're really, like, the face of the business, then they might ask you to stay on for quite a while uh, when, they, uh, when they take over your business. So, anyway, that's uh, kind of uh, uh, another topic for another podcast. Uh, uh, in itself, but um, but yeah, these are these are kind of like the the most common questions that come up, uh, especially when you know for people that uh, that want to go into the um, the management model. Now, another question that comes up a lot is how do you how much do you charge and what's included in the in your management services, right? And there's no real standard answer to that, like. You know, typically what what we see is typically managers would charge like twenty to thirty percent, um, but I think it's very market specific. Like you know, when you when you want to start managing other people's properties, I think the first thing you want to do is like do a little bit of research in your market and look at what other companies are charging, 
Uh, and a couple of things to keep in mind is number one is the percentage that is being charged. That's not always the entire story. So what a lot of, especially larger management companies, what they tend to do is uh, they lower their management fee. So they say like, hey, we manage your property for 15%. But then there's like a technology fee. There's an onboarding fee. There's a this fee. There's a that fee. And like once you actually add all the fees, um, you'll end up paying like more like 20, 25, up to 30% as a client, right? So I would suggest if you're planning to manage uh, other people's properties, I would suggest uh, you, you might want to do something that's called like a secret shopper uh, where you're, you know, you're actually like, doing a consult with the management company uh, as a potential client just to kind of understand like, hey, what are what are they offering, right? Um, so I think the research, definitely important to do a little bit of research before you come up with your with your offer. But, but yeah, anywhere from, you know, 20, 20 25% is very, you know, very standard. Um, typically, you know, you would charge a onboarding fee um, just to set up the listing and, and everything else. Um, and then it's up to you really to decide like what services are included and what services are outside of the uh, the management offer, right? Um, but typically, it would include all the online management, right? The the guest communication. Um, you know, if it's a full service uh, management offer, then essentially the owner shouldn't really have to do anything. Uh, the only thing the owner will be responsible for is. Uh, you know, when it comes to like uh, maintenance of the property, when it comes to like the insurance uh, of the property, like all those, the, you know, the electric, the bills, TV, all that kind of stuff, that's that that's something that the owner would cover. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you would kind of cover everything else. Also, uh, one thing that's important to to uh, uh, keep in mind as well is that you'd be on top of your, percent, your percentage. So let's say you charge 20%. On top of that, you would also collect the cleaning fee, right? So... That's important to know because that's a that's a big uh, expense. Obviously, your cleaning is going to be the biggest expense, right? So, collect that uh, cleaning fee on top of that. So, anyway, um, that's it for today. This is kind of yeah, kind of like the the main questions that we uh, get uh, on the topic of managing uh, other other people's properties, uh, which is seems to be really like the the ownership and the management seems to be the preferred model at this point in time um there's we see very few people who are still going after like uh rental arbitrage units um and we've talked about that on the podcast quite a bit and why that is uh it's because it's very risky you know during COVID, we've seen that a lot of rental arbitrage or master lease and this is for the people that don't know what that means it's basically where you rent uh where you sign a lease on a property and then you re-rent it on airbnb uh, a lot of companies that did that were hurt pretty badly in COVID during COVID, because when you're when you're managing for other people, if there's a if something happens in your marketplace and you're not getting a lot of bookings, then you're not going to make a lot of money, obviously, because <clears throat> if you're not booking a lot, you're not getting a lot of fees. But at the very least, you're not stuck with these uh, leases, right? That you have to pay every single month. So, um, so it's a little bit less less risky in the management model. Uh, so yeah, we're not seeing a lot of people are still doing these rental arbitrage uh, at scale, at least. Um, could be still interesting if you you know kind of one off properties, but um, but yeah, the management model really seems to be uh, uh, the preferred model that people are going after right now. So, all right. Well, with that said, I'm gonna wrap up this uh, part two of listeners Q and A. 
Um, and feel free to send us emails with your questions. You can uh, reach us at team at overnightsuccess.io. Uh, we will uh, either respond to your email or uh, I might just do another uh, one of these podcasts in the in future. Um, <clears throat> let's see how the, how the feedback is on this, if people are enjoying this. And that's it. So appreciate you all. Have a great week. And uh, we'll be back on Friday with another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. Really hope you enjoyed the show. This episode is brought to you by the Rising Stars Mastermind, the only short-term rental mastermind for hosts focused on building hospitality brands, scaling their hosting companies. Now, this mastermind's been around for almost two years, but it's been exclusive to our Legends X graduates. But now, for the first time ever, we are actually opening it up, up to a select group of like-minded hosts to join us in the mastermind. Now, this is not a beginner mastermind. It's not for people who want to learn the basics around Airbnb and short-term rentals. What we focus on are the things that will allow us to really scale and grow, right? So we're talking about building systems. We're talking about how to build teams, how to hire the right people, how to develop your leadership skills, how to become the CEO of your company, uh, how to develop your brand and how to raise money. Now, if that's something that aligns with you and you're excited to work with us uh, for the next 12 months, then I invite you to chat with us to see if it's a win-win for you. Uh, you can find more information on the mastermind at overnightsuccess.io slash RS. And that's also where you can schedule a call with our team uh, to discuss the mastermind and uh, see if it's a good fit. So uh, appreciate you all and we'll see you next time. Yeah.